Hi, I'm Rabbi Yisrael Bernath, and welcome to my daily Torah Thoughts. It seems that yesterday's thoughts really struck a chord in the hearts and minds of a lot of people who are listening, and I got a lot of feedback. One of the main questions I got was how good and evil can really exist. So I'm going to take another page out of one of my favorite books called Toward a Meaningful Life by Rabbi Simon Jacobson and talk about how and why good and evil exists. I think we all struggle to fathom how a good and righteous God could allow so much suffering and could permit such atrocities in the world. The age-old question is, why did God create evil? And how can we reconcile it with God's goodness? The simple answer is that we have to take a step back and ask a far more basic question. Why did God create life? Because without life, there would be no evil and there would be no pain. God created our material world because he wanted us to refine it and make it God's home. In order to achieve this, we have to first perceive ourselves as an independent reality. So each of us was granted free will, the ability to choose between selflessness and selfishness, and between good and evil, to follow God's instructions or not to. This freedom is the greatest gift that God gave to us. Without it, there would be no point to life. God doesn't want evil. God wants us only to do good. And God doesn't ever commit evil either. Only man commits evil. But in order for man to be a true partner in life, he must have the autonomy to choose. Even though God cannot bear the pain when one person causes another to suffer, it would be even more painful to take back free will, the free will that God has given us. So we have the potential to do either good or evil. And by overcoming the temptation to do evil, the temptation to advance ourselves at any cost, we reach a far higher plane than we otherwise could have. The greater the challenge, the more strength it draws out from us. And just as the light in the night seems brighter and more appreciated than the same light by day, an act of kindness shines with all the more intensity when compared to the wrongdoing we could have committed instead. There's a certain risk in God's having granted us such a choice, but the risk is inherent in growth. Because a child learns to walk the child must be allowed to fall. Now this explains why there's a potential for evil. But how can evil exist in the face of a good and real God? So this takes us to the method that God used to create our physical reality. In order to allow us our independence, God concealed his presence, challenging us to see beyond the container, the physical world, in which we live, to find the godly light within. And God's concealment in our material world allows us the free will to either seek Him or to ignore Him. And if God's presence were obvious to us, we would have neither the inclination nor the opportunity to do evil. But then we wouldn't have the challenge or the awesome satisfaction of doing good either. When we become oblivious to the challenge or we ignore it, it's like the child who stops searching for their father. We allow God's concealment to leave the room. 
And after many levels of condensation and mutation for potential evil, when we see only the container and not the light within, when we selfishly pursue only our material interests and ignore our spirituality, this self-interest can allow evil to flourish. But one can't say that God chooses evil or sustains it. Wickedness is committed against God's will. For God's intention is not to remain concealed, but to be revealed. And it pains God when we cease looking for Him. So since evil is against God's will, it has no legitimacy of its own. It's only a result of our being deceived by God's concealment and not seeing it as a means to God's revelation. Consider that evil is darkness while goodness is light. Just as darkness is the absence of light, evil is the absence of goodness. And just as darkness can be dispelled by introducing even a small amount of light, evil can be dispelled by introducing even a small amount of goodness. So when we are deceived by God's concealed state and succumb to it by committing evil, we're giving substance that is really like a shadow, with no substance of its own. So by refraining from evil, we're actively negating evil, destroying its power and revealing its true purpose. The sages say its destruction is its repair. A person must do everything in their power to avoid committing any sin. But it's not permissible to sin with the intention of later repenting. If he does succumb to temptation, he'll always have within him the power to repent, to release a positive spark within the darkness of the sin while destroying the evil of the sin itself. The person who commits the evil and repents may actually gain a greater appreciation for God because the intense light of goodness is all the greater when we see it in close contrast to the sheer darkness of evil. We'll continue praying for our brothers and sisters in France. Have a fantastic day. Hi, Rabbi Bernath here. I have some great news for you. My popular four-week course, Kabbalah for Everyone, is available right now for free for the next 50 people who download it. All you have to do is go to www.theloverabbi.com, scroll to the bottom of the page, and you're going to see the download button right there. In this course, I talk about the Kabbalistic secrets to relationships, to wealth, to happiness, and balance. This special offer has been dedicated in loving memory of Ellie Dorfman. I look forward to hearing from you and hope you enjoy the course. Now on to today's episode.